book by book. And uh, we believe that as we teach the whole counsel of God, that we'll, we'll tackle every single subject uh, and issue that we're dealing with in uh, today's um, current events and you personally in your lives. Um, we don't need topical sermons that, that just go into specific areas or series, but we believe that the Bible speaks for itself and the word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And, and it, it's able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart and, and is able to speak to them intimately and personally and uh, specifically and uh, in fellowship. As we think about fellowship, Oh, how important it is for the brethren to come together, to break bread, uh, not just as we come together um, to, to, uh, to have fellowship as far as gathering together, but also always remembering and commemorating, celebrating the death of Jesus Christ until he returns for us. That's really important because we're, um, we're prone to wander as the song tells us, as the old hymn tells us, we get distracted very easily. Uh, we get overwhelmed with the things of life, especially today. If you look around, I mean, turn on the news for just a second and, and you begin to feel overwhelmed and you begin to like just whether you want to admit it or not. Um, go off into a different direction as far as your thoughts are concerned. And, and so we need to fellowship. We need to come together because we need to be reminded of really what's important. And that is, it's always Jesus. In life and death, it's Jesus. Because the Apostle Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If we truly believe that, then we need to be reminded of that often. And we come on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, um, and any other Bible study that, that we gather to, together to go through, we're always reminded to get back to Jesus and uh, keep our eyes fixed on him. You know, um, hopefully everything that we do is, is for that very purpose, uh, to accomplish that in, in our lives, that we would be built up in Jesus Christ. Number one, to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And number two, uh, to live lives that uh, are reflective, reflective of uh, sanctification in our lives and, and consecration unto the Lord. That is the work of, of us learning who Jesus is and how it is that we can bless him and our whole, whole lives being a response to the love that he first demonstrated to us. You know, as we know salvation, do we have everything figured out? And the answer is no, right? It's at that very moment that we're simply grateful for our salvation. And then from that point forward, what we do is we learn how to bless the one who has given us hope in Jesus Christ. And so we don't live perfectly, but we look to the one who is perfect and holy and righteous and has given us life eternal. And so I was just thinking about that as, as we come together for communion, and we ought to do that often, how grateful we are to come to gather together again as a church. We've do, been doing it now for several weeks, or has it been a month now? It's been a month, huh? Yeah, all right. See, time flies. You guys ready for Christmas? <laughs> Well, it's coming soon, coming soon. But a few announcements before we get into the message. Uh, number one, mark your calendars because next Sunday we have a night of worship. So next Sunday, June 28th at 6.30, we will be here and we will just enjoy a wonderful time 
of just singing God's praises. So mark your calendars for that uh, that day, next Sunday, June 28th at 6.30 p.m. We also have the Women's Summer Book Club beginning. Uh, you'll meet on Tuesdays, uh, July 21, August 4, and August 18th. The cost is $14, and you'll be going through Amy Carmichael's book, Beauty for Ashes. And so uh, you can sign up today. There's going to be a table outside in the back. Uh, ladies, make sure you sign up. And uh, any questions that you have in regards to the book or the study, make sure that you uh, address, they can be addressed uh, by Bettina uh, or any one of the other ladies. So make sure you see them. We also have a need in the children's ministry. So as we're making all the preparations to get back to church as usual, you know, and we do have a children's ministry. Uh, we have been making all the plans to um, to make sure that that is uh, done well. We're in need. Uh, the next rotation for six servants uh, to serve as teachers and assistants. Uh, so please um, see Liz or Jesus after service um, if uh, if you're so inclined. If you can help us out in that way, we would greatly appreciate that. And more importantly, you know, I just want to say that as you serve in the children's ministry, as a teacher and as an assistant, you're pouring into the lives of these children, you know, to teach them the word of God. And again, what we do in children's ministry is we don't provide them with lots of candy and send them home um, and and, uh, give them crafts to do, but we teach them God's word. That's what we do. And so that's what you're doing for these these children. And you have curriculum, so it's not like you're trying to figure out what to teach them. Um, you have curriculum that's all laid out. And all you have to do is, is grab the, the lesson for that week and prepare for it and go along with it. And uh, so it's all laid out for you. So just so you know, um, it's a, it is a six-month commitment, uh, but it's a, a commitment that is worthwhile. At, as it adds eternal value to our little ones. So um, please make a note of that, and I hope you prayerfully consider serving in the children's ministry. Well, this evening, even though I told you that we don't really do topical messages, today is a topical message. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? Um, we, we do them on special occasions because they... It's not something that we're given to. It's not something that we normally do. This is more of the, the exception than the norm. And, um, and, and for, for, for many churches, unfortunately, that's the norm. You know, they, they go through these topical messages. And, and so today is a day. Hey, happy Father's Day. Dads, uh, grandfathers. I, I was thinking about Father. This day is a, is, a, is a day that's set aside to celebrate Fathers, you know, and, and I believe it should be a day not only for fathers, but more importantly, fatherhood. And, and that is the very work um, that a father does, um, not just because you're uh, someone's biological father, are you practicing something worthwhile in the life of that child? Um, so it's got to be something deliberate, something intentional. Something with purpose that you're pouring into these kids. And uh, you're in a place, you're in church where we're all here. Yes, we, we truly honor fathers. Uh, but more importantly, hopefully in this place, we are learning how to become fathers that are honoring to the Lord. And are building up our children 
in the ways of the Lord. And so really that's what we want to uh, look toward. We want to uh, possess ourselves is, is that, that the, the capacity and the understanding and uh, the, um, just the knowledge necessary to bring our kids up in the ways of the Lord. And so I want to uh, spend some, a moment right now praying for fathers and praying for our time together in God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given to us. As we come together, Father, on this day, that for us in this country, we have set it aside to celebrate fathers. I pray your blessing upon each and every one. That you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, guide and direct us according to your truth. Lord, that we would take that knowledge and apply it rightly. That it may be wisdom to us so that we could pass that along to our children and our grandchildren. Father, that it would be a legacy worth leaving to others. I pray, Lord, that that fatherhood would also extend and impact others around us because we know that others are looking, that others are watching to see how it is that we conduct ourselves within our own homes and in the church. I pray, Father, that the impact that we have is one that is good and pleasing to you. One that is honoring to the perfect fatherhood that you've demonstrated to us. Let us demonstrate our faithfulness to you, our love for you, because of the grace and love that you've shown to us. And so bless my, my brothers that are fathers. Pray, Lord, your blessing upon them. I also pray, Father, for our time together in your word. Although it is a message that just looks to fathers and fatherhood, Lord, it's a message that applies to all of us. As we consider your word, may it truly, Lord, uh, may it truly do a, a deep and lasting work in our hearts. May we, may we remember Lord, these words that you are speaking to us, that you are teaching us this morning, and never forget them for the remainder of our lives. Because these are words that are eternal. Lord, as you spoke them to Moses, and Moses passed them along to the Israelites, so they are true today as they were then. They are just as applicable, if not more so now, than they were then. And so, Lord, may you help us to listen, to hear, and apply your word, that you may be glorified by the love that we demonstrate with our obedience. We thank you, Father, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so <clears throat> we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going through the first nine verses of that chapter. And uh, one of the things that, one of the words that is oftentimes brought up on this day, and in fact, the, the uh, name of our men's ministry is what, men? Legacy, right? Legacy. That, that, by the way, is a great name for a men's ministry. It, like, it, bring, it brings conviction immediately, right? 
as you like, I want to be a part of the, the legacy ministry. Uh, something that is impactful. Not, we're not talking about just, just our generation as far as our age group is concerned, but, but uh, subsequent generations. You know, how, you know, our goal should be how, how far down through the generations can we make an impact? How lasting can it be? How effective can our lives be for generations to come? That should be our goal. So legacy. Uh, the title of this morning's uh, message is A Legacy Worth Leaving. Now, legacy is always thought of in the positive sense, but it's not always in the positive sense because we can always and will always leave a legacy no matter how we opine, <laughs> what we think of that. It, we're, we're always going to leave a legacy. A legacy can be seen as something definitely positive, something that we leave for our children, an inheritance that we pass along to those that we care most about, our family. But the thing is, is that we can also leave a negative legacy, one of drug or alcohol abuse, spousal abuse, anger, and so many other things. The examples that we give to our children and others makes an impact, whether we like it or not, in their lives. We can't choose to leave a legacy, you see. We just do. And so it's important for us to really be acutely aware of ourselves, of how we conduct ourselves in order that we can control, be disciplined in these bodies that we can reflect more closely the character of God in our lives, that we can leave a legacy worth following. Because I believe that we can never be deliberate enough when it comes to leaving a worthwhile legacy to our children and our children's children. Some legacies are not worth passing on, but a Christian legacy is more than just a positive way of life. It is a life-giving legacy at its core. Ultimately, the Christian legacy should always be about a person who was once dead in their sins, but has been made alive in Christ, forgiven of sins, and living to the glory of the one who made it possible to have a relationship with a father. A life that demonstrates a love for Christ our Lord. And how do we do this? Well, we roll up our sleeves and we become students of the Word of God. We learn from God's Word. We sit at His feet regularly, daily. We meditate on His Word. We look to Him for counsel and we apply His Word in various circumstances and learn that He is trustworthy and He is faithful. This morning, we're taking a look at Scripture. Verses that tell us to learn, know, and live His wisdom. Because as we pass it along to others, let's say our children, it's a legacy that guides, it protects, and it gives life. And as we express our love and gratitude for salvation, this is for the saved, by the way. right? This is 
Sometimes we confuse a church with just a, a good place to come and learn good things so that we can live like better lives, so that things would go better for us. That's not what church is about. Church is about coming together, learning who God is, how much He loves us, coming to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and confessing, confessing our sins to Him, Asking Him to be Lord and Savior, number one. And number two, we come together to worship Him, to praise Him, and to grow in our understanding of His character so that we could live lives in response to that love that He first demonstrated to us, to His glory. That's what church is all about. That's why it's important to come together. Now, what happens in your lives, in your marriages, in your relationships with others, in your job, in everything else? All of that... I can tell you, you have an opportunity to bless God in and through. You may not have the best health. You may not be a CEO of a Fortune 500 co- uh, company. You may not live, you know, uh, in, in the, the rich part of, you know, our, our area here, you know, just because you came to Christ. That's not what Christianity is all about. It is not. You may have rotten health. But in that, have the peace that surpasses all understanding. Have the hope of forever being in God's glory. And can come even on a Sunday like this, even though you have nothing. And praise God genuinely and encourage others to do the very same thing. Church, it's a bunch of people who believe in Jesus Christ and have the hope of heaven. We're coming together to praise Him. And so as we look at Scripture, this serves to guide, to protect, and to show us how to have an abundant life in Jesus Christ. How to have a life filled with joy and peace and hope. God's wisdom is a legacy worth passing on. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Proverbs three thirteen through 15. So if you're not are, are already there, Deuteronomy chapter 6, please turn there. Let's read. The first nine verses here of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long, Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. They shall... You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them 
on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What beautiful words. I mean, these are words that were written for Moses to instruct the Israelites with. And yet today, as we look at those words, I just get a sense of this this, um, perfect father teaching us how to be fathers that are imparting the very word of God to our children. Just that these would be, these are, see, our faith is a faith of action. Christianity is a faith of action. We demonstrate our faith by our action. We, we, in other words, we prove it. Not that we, you know, we're out to prove our Christianity, our faith to other people. But what it does is is it expresses a genuineness, a sincerity, that we are truly walking with the Lord. So we need to learn. We need to apply and we need to teach. What is the best way to learn as you're doing that? Which one? As you yourself learn, you apply and you teach. When you start teaching others the word, explaining to them the word, guess what happens to you? You learn more. You learn more. You're forced to. Um, I've told you here recently that uh, my son Christopher, he's in Spain uh, in, in, or Italy. Now, who knows? He might be in Spain. <clears throat> he was in Germany not too long ago. He was, he was actually sailing um, along the coast of uh, Normandy, France, uh, just a few weeks ago. And, and so anyway, so he's been reading the Word, and, and he comes up with some uh, pretty difficult questions in regards to the Word. He's got me on my toes. And, uh, and so I, I'm, I just keep thinking, though, as he asks me these questions, I think, okay, thank you, Lord, number one, that my son is reading the word and, and he wants to understand God's word better, right? But for me, I, I'm thanking God because, man, I, I get to go into his word and study it a little bit deeper and, uh, and I have to come back to him with these answers. And these, these answers aren't just like, well, you know, short because they're involved they're just very involved but it's good for all of us for us as parents listen not just as parents remember fatherhood fatherhood is doing this very thing that we're teaching this morning learning applying and teaching learning applying and teaching we can do that with each other and as you teach you yourself are learning just that much more Remember, though, Christianity is a faith of action. Turn with me to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Sisters, you'll be going through James in your study, right? Preparing for that. Yeah. It's a great uh, practical book. Well, in James chapter 2, verse 14, James writes, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Just, just for a moment, just please really consider these words. Perhaps in light of your own walk with the Lord. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? 
If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Christianity is a faith of action. You know, just those verses that we read will really counter that statement made by so many. Don't judge me. Right? Who are you to judge me? Well, you know, if we're a loving brother or sister, we're not judging to condemnation. We're, we're not. It's just as, as we see the fruit, hopefully, you know, the wounds of a friend you know, are the ones that demonstrate the very love that they have one for another. Because as James writes, it's our actions that demonstrate whether we're truly in the Lord or not. In fact, we have something called the fruit of the Spirit, by, by which we ourselves can examine ourselves and, and see if we're truly in the Spirit. We're walking according to the Spirit, according to God's truth. Faith apart from works is dead. The Christian faith is a faith of acts in response, not to be saved, but because we were saved. It's a faith of acts in response to the love that we have come to know by the Father through the Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. And so as we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, these nine verses... In, in these nine, nine verses, twice Moses writes that we are to do the commandments of the Lord, and once he writes to keep them. Moses was a father to Israel. And he was commanded to teach the word to God's people. To teach God's word. He, it was his responsibility, but he couldn't have been an effective teacher without actually being also a doer of the word of God having learned and applied the Word of God Himself. As fathers, we won't be very effective if we say one thing to our children and do another. Now, we need to understand also that fathers aren't perfect. And so we should also, as fathers, learn to be humble and to confess when we've fallen short. Oh, that teaches so much to our kids as we do that. But we need to be doers of the word. Chuck Swindoll writes, quote, You want to mess up the minds of your children? Here's how. Guaranteed. 
rear them in a legalistic, tight context of external religion, where performance is more important than reality. Fake your faith, sneak around and pretend your spirituality. Train your children to do the same. Embrace a long list of do's and don'ts publicly, but hypocritically practice them privately. Yet never own up to the fact that it's hypocrisy. Act one way, but live another. And you can count on it. Emotional and spiritual damage will occur. Close quote. You see, God tells us to be genuine. And he tells us to be steadfast. That means consistent. To be consistent. Consistently desirous and zealous and in pursuit of the things that glorify God. Again, not perfect, but being those men that will always look to Christ and look to his glory. So two things that I want to touch on this morning is number one, fathers be an example of faith in God. And number two, fathers teach faith in God. So the first three verses It tells us as fathers to be an example of faith in God. Verse 1 once again says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Just something to note. This land flowing with milk and honey. Knowing Scripture and knowing the story of Israel as they were brought out of Egypt, brought into the wilderness, and then brought by Joshua into the promised land. It was a land truly flowing with milk and honey. But was it a land that was absent of trials, tribulation, opposition, battles? No, right? There was all kinds of things there. But in the midst of it, in this very place that God has set aside for his people to go into and possess and dwell in, There he was, and he said, this is the very place that I have set apart for you and me. This is the very place that I want you to possess, and I want you to enjoy it with me. What is it that makes that land so valuable? It's because it's the very place where God has set it aside to commune and to have fellowship with his people. You know, us in our lives, God is with us. And so we're going to face trials. We're going to face all kinds of things. But listen, we can have that peace that surpasses all understanding. And we can still have the joy of the Lord in in the midst of troubles in our lives. You can say that in this life, as Jesus said, you will have tribulation, but take heart for I have overcome. And he offers that peace and that hope. And so we can, in the midst of all of these, all this chaos, you know, good is bad, bad is good. Um, so many people deceived going down this, these paths of darkness. We can have, in the midst of all of that, we can be like that duck in the water 
you know, just steady as we go. Maybe underneath we're, we're paddling, but on the surface, we, man, we, we're just steady, steady. Just we're not moved. We're not moved in Christ. That's, it, that's why it's more important than ever before to learn, to do, and to keep. Those are the things that we have before us. Moses, you see, was given the command by God to teach his word to Israel. But you can't teach something you don't understand. You cannot teach something you, cannot, you, you don't understand yourself. This command to teach wasn't just so they would possess some good knowledge, but that they would be prepared to possess the promised land. You know, it, this knowledge of God's word in our own lives. It's not just so we would have a good life, but that for us, we would learn how to possess it to the glory of God, how to live these lives truly abundant in Christ and have an answer for that hope that, hope that lies within us. That when we're faced with certain situations and circumstances, that we have the wisdom to maneuver through them according to God's word. To really, truly possess what God has entrusted to us, to the glory of God. When we teach our children, it is preparing them to know who Jesus is in order to make a personal decision to believe in him and to walk in the abundant life in Christ in whatever circumstances they may experience in life. So learn. What excuses do we have in America? Perhaps just one person in a hundred has a Bible. Or is it, is it that, that's not the way it is in America? No. We have the ESV translation. We have New King James. You have the NIV. You have a parallel Bible. You have a um, chronological Bible. Um, you have a Bible online. Uh, um, oh, you have um, Bibles that, you know, will just read to you, right? You can just, like, hit play, and, and it'll play. I mean, there's really no excuse in our society today, in America right now, as to ju- to justify why it is that we don't learn the Word of God, why we don't teach ourselves, you know, as, as the Holy Spirit is teaching us, you know, that we don't subject ourselves to the Word of God and give ourselves to learning. These Bibles are to be opened and read. A closed Bible does not benefit anyone. They need to be opened. And don't take someone's word for it. Oh, that's dangerous. In fact, I was just talking to someone before service. Many people are deceived, duped, fooled into believing something that isn't true of the Bible. And they're being used. Just put on the TV for, uh, for a moment and listen to some of these uh, preachers on TV. All they're doing is they're, they're fleecing the flock. They're, they're trying to empty your pockets. They have, they have no regard for you. Most of them have no regard for you. They're telling you things that are unbiblical. You wouldn't fall for this, those things if you knew the Bible. If you studied the Word of God, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't fall for those things. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 
The only way you're going to learn the Word of God is to read it for yourself. No one can do that for you. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. So learn. Number two, do. But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, as we read in James 1, 22. We went through that and we read it once more. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. Again, God tells us twice to do his commandments. It's not enough to come on Sundays and hear the word of God taught, explained, and exhorted to live by. If it doesn't impact your life in personal application. As you learn the word of God and understand what he commands us to do, we apply it to our lives And in that very moment, we are passing along to other people a great understanding of the Word of God. And as they read it, they say, "Uh Aha, now I understand why my father, why my dad does things the way he does them. It all comes together. Learning the Word of God should be a habit that we're given to Sunday to Sunday, every single day of the week. Keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, each and every day. So be a doer every day, not just some. Consistency speaks loudly to your children that you are, that you belong to God every moment of every day. That's a legacy worth leaving. Learn, do, and then keep. When you keep something, you take great care of it. Being consistent in its care and being mindful of whatever you have committed to follow in its care. To do, to give yourself to. It speaks of a way of life and not just a checklist of do's and don'ts. It becomes the very person that you are. It's not a list of do's and don'ts to be checked off to feel good about ourselves. That'll just be momentary And it'll be short-lived. But it's just someone who we become. It's just, Christianity isn't something that we do. It's, It's who we are. We belong to Christ. He is our Lord. He is our Master. I belong to Him. My very life belongs to Him. It speaks of an ongoing, never-ending action that isn't dependent on circumstances. doesn't fluctuate up and down. In fact, you bear down and guard it even more when things don't seem to be going so well. You get even closer to the Lord. Are you a fair-weathered Christian who only lives the word when things are going good? Or do you demonstrate consistency in keeping the word even when bad things happen? Fathers, mothers, grandparents, leave a legacy of personally learning, doing, and keeping the Word of God. It's more precious to our children than gold and silver and anything we can leave them materially here on earth. And it's, it's an example worth following when they understand why you're living a life for the glory of the one who forgave you of all and assures you of that eternal hope of forever being in God's glory. So fathers be an example of faith in God. Number two, fathers teach faith in God. 
Verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord our, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Had a wonder, I, I was thinking, you know, what is, why, what is the reason why so many parents just don't teach the Word of God to their children? Maybe it's because there's a failure to capitalize on opportunities that we're presented with on a regular basis. Because we can teach the Word to, to our kids in, in various circumstances, but we need to, we need to discern those moments. And we need to take advantage of those, those things, those moments. Personal philosophy born in experience does not suffice to lead someone in God's wisdom when it doesn't line up with God's word. That happens all the time. It, it's a personal philosophy that is rooted in our experiences. But when they don't match up with the word of God, then really it's a it's a faulty foundation it's it's a it's a house that is built on sand it's not built on the solid foundation of god's word what that'll do is it'll lead someone else to do the very same thing it'll teach them to have faith and trust in themselves but that'll never serve them and encourage them to trust and follow Jesus Christ, no matter what. It just doesn't make sense at the moment. That's okay. Follow God's word anyway. It just doesn't seem logical, like it doesn't fall in line with what everyone else is thinking. That's okay. God's thoughts and ways are not our ways or thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his thoughts and ways above ours. You know, so as we consider God, you know, let's trust in his word above all. Man's philosophies, in fact, we're warned against them. To not be fooled by them. So again, go back to the very word of God. In a personal relationship with the word is evident to those around you. Be a learner of the word. You can't teach what you don't know, as I've already said. The first thing that God commands Moses to write is, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That's one of the things that as, as pastors that, you know, as, as we look at that one verse, you know, as, as pastors and, and you as fathers, the only thing you can do is teach your children. It's really, there comes a point in their lives where they take personal responsibility for their own lives and they will be a, accountable to the Lord for what they do with the truth that you have taught them. For me, it's a great burden. You are, number one, you are my burden. Okay, but it's a good burden. It's not the same burden to where uh, you would you would um, describe it as one that's overwhelming, uh, something that um, you know I, I'm the one that's laboring to to make sure you you know you're you're behaving a certain way, you know, and doing this or that. No, no, no. Listen, I have certain responsibilities, and I'm going to be held accountable for that. But I'm teaching you what the Word tells us, us as. Christians as followers of Jesus Christ to live by. 
And so as we look at this, we teach it, but it says, you shall love the Lord, your God. Is he your God? Is If he's your God, then you're going to learn how to love the Lord with all your heart, your heart. Not someone else's heart, but with your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. It's a personal application. It's not something that someone can do for you. Your relationship with Jesus is vital and critical to teaching others and especially your children what it is to have a relationship with him. We are commissioned by Jesus to make disciples of all nations, to teach others to observe all that God has commanded us. According to Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. And we can't do this effectively if we are not wholly, completely surrendered to God as Lord of our lives. We are to be hiding God's word in our hearts that we may not sin against him. We are to have God's very word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. That we know where we're standing and where we're going. The direction that we ought to go in. According to Psalm 119.11 and 119.105. We are to allow God's word to penetrate our hearts and show us how to be Christ-like. Hebrews 12, uh, 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. As fathers, we are to allow that in our lives first. Sometimes God loves us with a tough love. We know that. But remember, he disciplines those whom he loves. But it's his pure love nonetheless. He doesn't leave us as orphans, and neither should we do that with our children regarding the word of God. Never giving up on them, but always, always willing to love on them with the very truth of God's word. Our first priority should be to allow him to be Lord of our lives, so that we can confidently and diligently teach that to our children. So, first things first is our own relationship with the Lord and teach practically. Talk, bind, and write. You know, these words that describe how it is that we are to teach our children, we are to talk about God's truth, God's word, we are to bind them. And it says here that. We shall talk of them as you sit in your house when you walk and by the way. So always, they should always be on the tips of our tongues, always in our minds, in our hearts. And then it says here in verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You know, these frontlets, um, you know, these boxes uh, that they would wear where they would have certain scriptures in them. You know, in a way for us, We should always have the word of God always before us, leading us, guiding us, protecting us, providing for us the very truth that needs to be applied for certain situations. And so that's what this speaks of for us, that we ought to talk, bring them, bring others through an understanding of the word of God always to bind the word of God before us on our hands, on our feet. May it guide us to where he wants us to go. May we serve according to the glory of the word and to the glory of, of God and to write. In other words, these are the very things that we should be inscribing in the hearts of our children. 
you know, on the doorposts of our homes, you know, everywhere, everywhere they look, they, they should be able to see Scripture. Oh, my mom, my dad spoke of that as I see certain things unfolding in my own life. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And even more so today. The suicide rate among teenagers is on the rise. Life is more complicated today than it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Our children are in desperate need of godly wisdom and direction. And they look to their parents to guide them on the right path. Will you be that parent? Make the best use of the moments that God gives you with your children because they are opportunities to pour God's word into them that will guide them, keep them, and add life to them in difficult times. So bind and write. Teach and just love on our kids with the very word of God. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's awesome to think as, um, as a father that those things that you have spoken and taught your children, even though sometimes they, they stray and they walk away, that they'll be reminded of those very things later on in life, that they'll come back. I know our, our oldest, there was a time when, when he had completely walked away from the Lord and, and he came back to the Lord. Oh, what a glorious day that was when we learned that he had recommitted his life to the Lord. But that's the thing. Train up a child in the way. Hopefully there's, you know, you don't have a prodigal or, you know, they don't, they, you don't have to, children, you don't have to go astray. <laughs> you don't have to do that, please. You know, you save us a lot of heartache. And, uh, and it really blesses the Lord when you walk consistently with him, knowing that intimate and personal relationship with the Lord. Just heed God's word and know his love, his grace for you. So is your home, family, and your life marked by God's word? So fathers be an example of faith in God and fathers teach faith in God. Learn, do, keep, talk, bind, and write. All this is just centered around God's word. These are words that describe what it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Loving God is a legacy worth leaving. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. This is the Apostle Paul as, as he writes to Timothy. He's saying, hey, I saw this faith in your grandmother. I saw it in your mother, and now I know it dwells in you also. And he was used amazingly in great ways to the glory of God. He was, he was used by Paul to do so much work. This was, this was three generations of passing on a legacy of godly wisdom. It was worth the effort. When we teach our children, it is preparing them to walk in the abundant life in Christ, in whatever circumstances they may experience, teaching them to follow Christ and cling to him no matter what. Teach others why you express your love for Jesus the way you do. When a child sees a parent serving Jesus by serving others. 
oftentimes, and what I hear more and more and more, is, why are you doing that? You're, you're, in, you're, in, church, you're in church, you're with the church people again? Why, why, why do you have to do that? Why do, you, why do you go and do that? I hear that. I hear that. Why? To answer this, we must first know what it means to know the love of God, His grace, and His forgiveness. I'm going to leave you by reading through this section in Luke chapter 7 and then close. In Luke chapter 7, so this is not me explaining it, this is the Lord explaining it. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 47. This is, this is the why. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one who owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Uh, When they could not repay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head, with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. That's why. I can't but serve the Lord. Now I love my kids. I love my boys, but they don't dictate how much I, time I spend here. They just don't. I have a wife that understands that. She has never held me back from serving the Lord. Never said, You're, you know, I can't or you know, none of that. That's the why. And that's a legacy really worth leaving to your kids is for them to know why it is that we're living such sacrificial lives to the Lord. 
In the end, a legacy worth leaving is to help others know the love you have come to know in Christ. No one has loved me like this, and I want others to know this love and to respond to it by repenting and living lives that demonstrate their love for Jesus too. I'll leave you with this. Deal Moody said, Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Heavenly Father, teach us those things that matter. And I pray that we would get busy doing them. Not because we have to, but because we can. Because we want to demonstrate for you because we were first loved by you. You have forgiven us of all of our sin. Oh, Lord, the debt was great. In fact, it was eternal. We could not pay with a million lives. And yet Jesus, our Lord and Savior, went to the cross and paid in full for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And with his sacrifice has atoned for our sins. And that is why we By your grace, through faith, we can come to know salvation and have the hope of eternal life with you. And I pray that our lives would be simply a response to that love that we have first been demonstrated and shown. We thank you, Father. Happy Father's Day to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love and grace. In Jesus' name we pray.